uh, the first quarter of the year, we were looking at uh, our identity as children of God. We were looking at who we are as children of God. We cannot live right if we don't know who we are. You have to have, get your identity right in the Lord in order for you to be able to live right. And God helped us to understand that we are sons, we are daughters of God, and we are heirs of God. Heirs of God. We have an inheritance in God. And that inheritance, we share it together with Jesus Christ. And that's why we are called joint heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Uh, God has a lot to offer us. We have a lot reserved for us in Christ Jesus. Beyond what our eyes have seen, beyond what our ears have heard, beyond what we can even conceive with our hearts at the moment. God has something for us very big. And we are praying that all of us will be able to touch whatever God has for us in Christ Jesus, in Jesus' name. Because there's no point going through the world without knowing what God has for, for you. It, is, it, will be a, it will be a big mistake for us to go through the world not knowing what is it that the Father, who so much loves us, what is it that he has for us? And that's what we call our inheritance. And I'm praying this morning that uh, all the things that the Lord taught us from January till now, the Lord will help us to begin to walk in them in Jesus' name. There's no point also knowing what is yours and not laying hold of them. And the way to lay hold of the things that are yours is to receive them by faith. If God says healing is yours, receive it by faith. All you need to do is just believe it. Believe that it is true. Believe that it is yours. Don't think it is just for some few people and not for you. Receive exactly what God has for you. If God says joy is, your, is, is yours in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, receive it and simply say, this joy is mine. And once you say it is yours, it will be yours because that's the way faith works. Amen. Amen. Because frequently, the things that God has for us, we actually think they are meant for just some people. <clears throat> we exclude ourselves. But what we cannot do after the things that the Lord has graciously taught us over these past uh, three months is to still maintain the same position of not believing the things that he wants us to believe and to receive them. The scripture says, you ask and it, you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. And I'm praying that from today, we'll be asking, we'll be seeking the face of God, we'll be knocking at the door of God, and we will see all that God has for us delivered to us in Jesus' name. There is so much that God has for each and every one of us. Yeah. Hallelujah. And for this quarter, we want to move on in this understanding of our identity by looking at the sub-theme, kings and priests. Kings and priests. Kings and priests. That's going to be our theme for this quarter, uh, spanning April, May, and June. So over the next three months, we'll be exploring what the scripture says about us. 
about who Christ has called us to be or made us to be, which is that we should be kings and we should be priests unto God. And there is a purpose for that. And that purpose we shall see very shortly. Turn with me then to the two scriptures that are actually going to form the foundation for our teaching over the next three months. We, we will look at many other places in the scripture. We'll look at other scriptures to explain that. But the foundation for our fellowship, our teaching over the next three months will be, could be found in these two passages of the Bible. Revelations chapter five. Let's take that first. Revelations, the book of Revelations chapter five. Revelations chapter five, I'll be reading from verse, I'll be reading verses nine and uh, 10. Verses nine and 10, Revelations chapter five. Uh, last week I was told I was too fast so people couldn't get to the page. So today I'm being deliberately slow so that you are there. So I believe we should be there by now. Revelations chapter five, verses nine to 10. Or it may be good for me to start from verse eight for context. Now, when he, that is the lamb, which is who is Jesus Christ, are taking the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let me quickly say this that the prayers of the saints, they are never wasted. That's not part of this teaching this morning, but it's good to know that whatever prayer you pray to God, they are never wasted. You might not have seen the answer yet, but they are kept before the Lord. They are precious before him. God is watching over all your requests, all your supplications, everything you have prayed for. God keeps his, his eyes on them. Because you have not seen an answer yet does not mean they have been forgotten. Your prayers, your cries to God from the depth of your heart can never be forgotten. Hallelujah. And so that's an encouragement to someone who is wondering, is God even hearing me? Does God even know when I've cried to him? Am I still in the heart of God? Be encouraged this morning. Your prayers are before the Lord. And very soon you will see answers in Jesus' name. Be encouraged. You are never forgotten. Men can forget, but God can never forget you. Your words are precious before him. Your cries, they are precious before the Lord. Hallelujah. That's just what I want you to pick from there. But let's go now to... The verses I was talking about. Now, which are the prayers of the saints? And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. Let me quickly comment on that as well. 
The reason Christ died on the cross to shed his precious blood is to redeem us back to God. What does that mean? Of course, when uh, man fell after the sin in the Garden of Eden, I'm deliberately saying this because I know I have to carry everyone along. When man fell, God needed to make a provision. We became a slave to sin. We became enslaved by the power of darkness. We became enslaved by Satan himself. But when Christ died and he shed his blood, it was to pay the penalty required for our sins to be forgiven and for us to have a relationship with God again. So the death of Christ has actually paved way for us for a relationship with God again. Hallelujah. Are we getting that point? So there is nothing any one of us will need to do to be accepted by God. We need to do nothing. Other than what I will tell you shortly. You don't need to pay anything. You don't need to do anything else other than to believe that he died only for you. And he has paid the price for your own life. He has bought you from sin, from Satan, from the powers of darkness. Christ has paid the price for you to have liberty, for you to be free, and to be brought back again to God. Hallelujah. But when he did that, let's look at what that says. And of course, that includes men and women from every tribe, every nation, every language, every color, race. And that's why in God, there is no distinction. It doesn't matter where you are from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter, you know, who your parents are. It doesn't matter whether you were rich or you were poor. It doesn't matter. Everyone has equal chance before God. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ came to give us equal chance before him. And I'm praying that all of us will take hold of that opportunity in the name of Jesus. So the redemption is for everyone. Relationship with God is open to everyone. The next thing I want us to see there is, but why did he do that for us? Look at verse 10. And he has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. He has made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So, in our redemption package, is included our exaltation to become kings and to become priests unto God. When we were redeemed, we were redeemed and given a new status, kings and priests. And that is not being grandiose. That is not having a delusion. 
It is what the scripture says. The scripture says, he has made us. And I want you to say to yourself, he has made me. Kings and priests. He has made me a king. He has made me a priest. This, I want you to take note of it because we are going to look deeper into it subsequently. It may not necessarily be today, but we will look at it for this. What it means actually. So our goal for this quarter, let me quickly summarize then. Our objectives will be one, to understand what it means to be kings and priests to our God. What does it mean when the scripture says he has made us kings and priests? What does that mean? Because whatever you don't understand, you cannot operate in. You need an understanding of what certain things mean in order for you to be able to work in them. So our first objective will be to have an understanding of what it will mean to be a king and a priest to God. The second thing we need to see there, we need to know then is, if I'm a king and I'm a priest, what are my responsibilities? Because you are made a king, you are made a priest for a purpose. So what am I supposed to be doing? What should be my mission? Because we are not just given, in the scriptures, we are not just called names or given positions so that we can just confess them. No, they are to prepare us for our responsibilities. They are to prepare us for what God expects us to be doing. And I am praying that once God has given you an understanding, you will rise up. You will arise to fulfill your role, even on this planet, earth towards God and towards men in Jesus' name. The third objective we will have apart from understanding what our roles will be, is to specifically understand this mission. It says, and we shall reign on the earth. What does it mean to reign on the earth? Kings, they reign, don't they? The difference between a king and a slave is that kings, they reign. They exercise certain level of authority. They exercise certain level of influence that the subjects are not able to. Amen. Amen. So we want to know what they need to read. And of course, lastly, the fourth objective will be how do we then begin to reign on the earth? So we need to begin to reign. It's one thing to understand what it means to reign, it's another thing to actually begin to reign. So we then begin to fulfill our mission on the earth. And I'm praying that the Lord will help us with this in Jesus' name. So the next scripture which is going to be foundational to our teachings over the next three months, like I said, 
is in First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. In First Peter chapter two, if you are there. Are we there? If we are there, let's take it from, I think I should take it from verse 6 so that we can understand the context. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a cheap cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Let me quickly say this to anyone listening to me. The enemy is saying you will be put to shame. You will be disgraced. No, not when you believe in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your condition is. You will never be put to shame. Faith in Christ Jesus takes us from shame and from disgrace. Whosoever believes in this precious stone, this precious cornerstone will never be put to shame. And this day I speak to you by the authority of the word of God, you will never be put to shame. It doesn't matter what you are going through. It doesn't matter what the situations around you are. You will come out victorious. You will come out glorious and you will never be disgraced. You will never be put to shame in the name of Jesus. What the devil tries to do for people is to disgrace them, is to mess you up, to put people to shame. But God in Christ Jesus does not put anyone to shame. He takes away shame. He takes away reproach. Because in him is glory. Hallelujah. And like I said, one of our fathers in the Lord once said his own definition of glory is whatever takes away shame and reproach. And I think he got it right. Whatever takes away your shame, your reproach, your disgrace is glory. Hallelujah. Amen. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go now to verse 7. Therefore, to you who believe, to you who believe and are praying, because that's why we are believers. We are believers because we believe what the word of God says. I am praying that this morning our faith will be quickened and we will believe the word of God concerning our lives in Jesus' name. To you, therefore, to you who believe, is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's to those who don't believe. They stumble being disobedient to the world to which they were also appointed. But look at who you are now. Let's look at our identity very closely here now. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special 
people or peculiar people, precious people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Again, I'm doing my best to carry everyone along. Um, let me quickly explain that in the way that everyone can understand. So those who believe, those who believe in this precious cornerstone, who is Jesus Christ, the scripture says to you, he is precious. Just the way he is precious to God, Christ is precious to you. Hallelujah. And the next thing you will see there is that those who don't believe, they stumble, they fall. They get into confusion that they can't solve. They are broken down. But for those of us who believe, the scripture says, we are a chosen generation. We belong to a generation that is chosen. We belong to a generation of people who are chosen. And I will explain that because that's all I'm going to focus on today. And it says we are a holy priesthood. We belong to a royal priesthood, rather. A royal priesthood. Other translations, we say king's priests. We are priests. Actually, kingly priests, really. Priests with a kingly role. I will, we will look at that. Then the next thing he says is that we are a holy nation. His own special people. And that is for a purpose. And that purpose we'll be examining maybe another time. But the first thing I want us to understand this morning before, I don't want the meeting to be prolonged, is just this identity. We belong to a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And we are a peculiar people. Hallelujah. That is who you are. That is who I am. And we will need to understand it. And for this morning, in order for us to understand this, I just want to pick actually the word chosen. When the scripture says we are a chosen generation, what does that mean? Before we go into the royal priesthood bit, what does it mean to belong to a chosen generation? And once I've been able to do that, we can pray together. Turn with me first to Genesis chapter 1. I've told us before, if you understand Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, if you pray for understanding of those uh, chapters of the Bible, you actually will understand a number of things in the program of God. This morning again, we go back to a familiar passage of the scriptures, Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over 
the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, build the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone's uh, microphone is quick, is uh, actually making a little noise there. If you can just mute it, that would be fine so that everyone can hear. Great. Thank you very much. Now, if you look at that, that is God's plan. That is God's program. Or let me put it this way. That was what God intended for every man without distinction. For all mankind, this actually was the agenda of God for all mankind. And it's still the agenda of God, even till today. No one was exempted from this. God said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. In essence, God is saying, let us make a people like us, just like us. I've said it before. That looks big. And I'm going to just say it again. It was almost like God was saying, let us make gods. You can put it with a small g, okay? So that there's no rivalry, no, <laughs> no controversy about that. Just put it as a small g, okay? God was almost saying, let us reproduce ourselves. Let us make a, a being that will look like us. And can I, can I tell you, you look like God. Amen. You look like God. People may say, oh, you are not beautiful. You are... No, no, tell them I look like God. Amen. I have the, I mean, the, I'm created in the likeness of God. And for those who have very poor self-esteem because of, you know, maybe the way they look, they don't look like other people, please get away from that. Because one of the things a king must not have is low self-esteem. If you see a king with a low self-esteem, he will never reign. Others will rule him. Is that not the truth? If you see someone who has a low self-esteem, they can't live up to the expectation of God for them, for their lives. In fact, they themselves can't live up to their own expectation for their own lives. And so this morning, if you are listening to me, your self-esteem is poor, is low, because of maybe different things you have faced, tell yourself this morning, I've been created in the image and the likeness of God. The next thing you will see there, he said, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Now, wherever you see dominion, you know that kingdom is actually in fact. Because kingdom is from the word king's domain. King's domain. So kingdom. 
king's domain. The territory ruled over by a king. That's king's domain. That's kingdom. So one thing with a kingdom is that there must be exercise of dominion. So whoever is the king over a domain has a dominion, that is the authority to rule that domain. So dominion is authority to govern and rule and control a domain. And you will see the domain God has given to man. How many things here do you think God has given man dominion over, authority over? Everything. Everything he has created. Everything. That is who we are. That was God's picture for us. And the Bible says, the one, the being he called man, he said, kings, so, sorry, male and female. So there's no gender difference here. We are talking about male and female. As long you have, as you have been created by God, whether you are male, you are female, God has given you dominion. Hallelujah. Amen. And so what we need to do then is to reign, is to exercise that dominion over the territory that you have been given. But unfortunately, man lost that authority when man fell in the Garden of Eden. Then we have a generation of people that don't necessarily, that no longer look exactly like God. That is their attitude, in their behavior, in the kind of authority they can exercise, they are no longer like God. And that's why you see chapter five. For those of you who have been with us for a long time, you will discover that the teaching we had in January, our brother. Dr. Boiga was trying to talk about genealogy, generations. If you go to chapter 5 of the book of Genesis, the Bible says this is the book of the genealogy or generation of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and called them mankind in the day that he created them. And Adam lived 130 years and begot his form in his own likeness. That was after the fall. So the man Adam gave birth to was no longer exactly in the image with which God created him because sin had entered. Something had polluted that image. Something came in. The man still looked physically the same, but spiritually he no longer carries the authority, he no longer carries the Dominion that God has for him. That's the best way I can describe it for you. Because of our time, and I don't want to prolong this, I just want to round up somewhere this morning. Then God needed to make another provision, which will take us to the issue of our redemption, which I mentioned earlier. Then, then God decided that he was going to have another generation. And now the word chosen came in because, hallelujah, Amen. the word 
sorry, someone was trying to do something with the computer. So the word chosen came in, and you will see where it came in later. Because God was now looking, trying to, how do I put it? To select, as it were, a people who will carry out his original intention, his original agenda. Are we getting it now? I'm praying you will understand what I'm talking about in Jesus' name. I will become chosen is where I want to round up this morning. The word chosen came in because a generation had failed God. So God needed to do something to and pick a people who will fulfill his purpose. But in order to have a generation, you must have a man. Let's look at the children of Israel, for instance. You know, they were frequently described in the Old Testament that they were God's chosen people. Isn't it? But God needed to, first of all, choose a man called Abraham. Then Abraham then needed to bring up his own children and the plans and purpose of God, I can't go into all of his story, so that that can be a generation, a lineage that is preserved, a posterity. So whenever God wants to choose a people, he first of all chooses a man. Is that principle clear to you? Yes. Because we are in a very special position. We are in a unique place in the program of God. That's why I'm stressing this. When God called Abraham in chapter 12, you can go and read it. He called him out of the midst of a people. And once Abraham honored that, once Abraham answered that call, Abraham became the chosen man through whom God will want to extend his program. Turn with me then to Genesis 18. I've cut up so many things so that we can get to Genesis 18 quickly and verse 19. If I can tie this together quickly, I will be able to do Genesis chapter 18 Verse 19, and I will read. No. Uh, does anyone have a translation? If you have the translation, open to it. I think NIV translation is good, or good news translation of Genesis 18, verse 19. Because there is a word there translated as known in my own, in my own translation. But actually, it means much more than just knowing someone. It's about choosing them. Who has that translation from those of you who are listening and those at home? Yes. For I have chosen him. Talking about Abraham. For I have chosen him. So that he will direct his children and his household. So, so that he will direct his children after him. And his household. His whole family, his children, his whole family after him. 
So God chooses a man for a divine purpose. So being chosen means there is a reason you are chosen. In fact, maybe I should start this, I should start, I should define what it means to be chosen here. To be chosen means to be specially selected for a strategic reason or purpose. It is to be specially selected, or you can say and picked for a strategic purpose. That's what it means to be chosen. So don't let us miss the word. The word is very important, which means you have been picked by God for a strategic purpose, for a strategic kingdom agenda. Hallelujah. So Abraham was picked for that reason because God knows that through Abraham, he can reach his children, he can reach his household, and that program will continue. And you know that that continued with Isaac, it continued with Jacob, isn't it? Does that make sense to us? Yes. Now, because of our time, then when God had a chosen man, God then had a chosen people. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, you will see something there. Whenever God, I'm just trying to give you the background to God's program. Whenever God wants to do a thing, he will choose a man, then he will choose a people. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? Because yes. through a man, God wants to have a people. God doesn't just wants to have one man. God wants to have a people through a man. Hallelujah. Amen. Is this teaching making sense for us to us all? Yes. Are we understanding it? Because yes, the, yes. The God, yes. God is saying you, be, you are a chosen generation. God is simply saying that I've chosen you for a reason because I want to do something through you. When God, for God to have a chosen people, he must have a chosen man. And when God has gotten a chosen man, putting it another way, he will have a people. And the people starts from you, your immediate family. Hallelujah. And that is why when God chooses you, just know that through you, God can touch every member of your family if you believe it. That's why when God saves a man in a family, he's looking for a people from that family. He's looking for the friends of that family. He's Amen. looking for those who are connected to that family. Hallelujah. So you are strategically located once you have known Christ Amen. to be the means by which God will have a people for himself. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it was my elder sister who first knew the Lord. We didn't understand what they were saying. But I can tell you today, everyone, everyone that I know in my family, they are born again. Because, okay, maybe larger extended family, maybe not everyone yet. But, the important thing is that because God had a chosen person, but then God, no, somebody to me, 
their microphone is echoing back. Hallelujah. Amen. So God has God chose Abraham to have a people. And let's look at those people in Deuteronomy chapter 7. From verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. Can you see the word again? Now talking about a whole nation. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people. I talked about a chosen man. Now I'm talking about a chosen people. For himself, a special, a special treasure, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Oh, wonderful. Is anyone excited about that? That God can have a people who he considers to be treasures. Hallelujah. What Amen. you hear about the physical history, you will see how it applies to us, much more so in Christ Jesus, as we close. But I just want you to understand what it means to be chosen. A people who God considers as treasure. You are a treasure in the hand of God. Amen. You are precious in the hand of God. Amen. You don't see you as precious. People may even reject you. Just the way they did to Christ anyway. People may even think you are not valuable. I say to you today, listening to me, you are so precious before God. You are valuable before the Most High. There is something Amen. God has seen in you. There is something God has put inside of you. And Amen. Has made you treasured. Amen. You carry yourself as a treasured possession before God. Never look down on yourself. Men may say you mean nothing, but God says you mean all the world to Him. Is somebody encouraged with that word? Amen. Oh, may God give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's look at it again. It says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. He's simply saying this. God's criteria for choosing is not because of anything you have. Hallelujah. Some of us, we think, ah, Maybe I'm not one of those people called chosen. Maybe I'm just an ordinary person. You are not ordinary. True faith in Christ Jesus, you are not ordinary. You are chosen. You are precious. You are special. You are peculiar. Hallelujah. No, we are peculiar people. We are special people. As I'm speaking to you now, I feel very special. Not because I'm the pastor of the church. I just feel very special for understanding the word of God. Amen. For understanding what God says about me. Nobody can put me down. Hallelujah. Nobody. Amen. Amen. And you should not allow anyone to put you down. Yes. Tell yourself I'm special to God. I'm a treasure in the hands of God. You may not know. You may not value me, but God values me. And when you see yourself like that, know that you are set for something special. 
Amen. Hallelujah. It will boost Amen. your confidence. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, Amen. Let's go further. It says, for you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you, and because he will keep the hope which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. All insane, all of us were sold as slaves to many different things. But God, yet, in our state, God still set his love upon us. Amen. God has set his love upon you. Amen. And that love is eternal. The love of God for you is not for one day. The steadfast love of our God, they, don't, they never cease. They never cease, rather. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great has been his faithfulness. Hallelujah. When God is the word there is mean once God is committed to you, God is eternally committed to you. Amen. It's not like men who will say, I love you today, and tomorrow they, they don't they don't even want to look in your direction. That's not God. Once God is committed to a man. When God is committed to a people, God is committed to them eternally. And I want you to carry yourself, to look at yourself and say, God loves me. God delights in me. Not because I've done anything special, but because he just loves me. Amen. For you to live right, you must first of all feel right. <laughs> if you don't feel right inside of you about what God, the love of God for you, you can never live in a way to, to, to please him. And that's the truth about it. If you are struggling to please God, you will never be able to please him. But if you accept his love for you, unconditional love for you, then it is easier for you to live with that degree of liberty before him as a son, a daughter will live before a father or parents who love them. That's the way God wants us to be. Amen. Amen. So, once God had the people, then God began to talk about the nation of Israel as a special people to him. But you know that that project also failed because they disappointed God, didn't they? And lastly, the last scripture I'm going to read before going back to where we were. Um, maybe I'll read two more scriptures before we close and I will allow you to pray this morning. Let's go now to Genesis, let's go to Genesis. We are jumping so many things just for us to be able to close here because our time is almost up. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible talks about the genealogy of or the generation of Adam. Now I've told you, for God to have a people, it must have a man. When the nation, the natural Israel failed God, what did God do? Because God still had his purpose in mind. Don't forget what I told you at the beginning. The plan of God is for all humanity, not just for one nation, not just for one tribe, not just for one race. It's for all, human, all mankind. 
And that is why you are where you are included. That is where you belong. Let's now look at Matthew chapter 1. And I will just read verse 1 and connect it with Abraham who we talked about just now. And I'm reading verse, chapter 1, verse 1, Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and possibly maybe 2. This is the book of the generation. If you are reading King James, or if you are reading other translations, it says the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Can you see that? Those are the people we talked about. But on top of that, the Bible is now setting a new genealogy. A new generation was beginning. The New Testament opened as the book for a new generation. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to be excited by this truth this morning. When Christ came, he came to set the stage right again. God has found a man. God found his only begotten son. And through whom he will have a people. A generation. A generation. Are you following me? And that yes. is coming. And I ran up this morning after showing you that to just go to Ephesians chapter 1 and there I close in the next couple of minutes and we pray together. We pray together. Uh, subsequently, we will understand better once we get this foundation right this morning. It will be easier to then explain other things to us. So, verse 3 says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I don't want to touch that this morning because that's a message on its own. But look at verse 4. Just as he chose us in him. Can you see where we are chosen from? In him. When God is talking about a chosen generation, the nation of Israel were chosen in Abraham. We are chosen in Christ Jesus. Amen. He chose us in him. You have been chosen in Christ Jesus. Amen. You have been unpicked in Christ Jesus. Amen. As long as you believe in, his, in the redemption that he brought to us, as long as you believe in his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, as long as you can put your faith in him, the scripture says you are chosen in him. You are unpicked. You are made special. You are made precious in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want you to see yourself differently. See yourself in a new light. And it goes ahead to say, before the foundation of the world, so God had you in mind even before the world was created. Even though Adam fell, the program of God for you and I did not, did not fail. Amen. God still had his eyes on you. God knew you would be born. And God had a program for us to include us in his eternal plans and purpose. So as many people as can put their faith, the condition for being chosen is faith. 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once Amen. you put your faith in him, you become part of that chosen generation. A special people, treasure, uh, no, precious to God, a treasure in the hands of God for the fulfillment of his plans and purpose on the earth. That is who you are. You are a chosen Amen. generation. Amen. A royal priesthood. Amen. 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 A peculiar woman, a peculiar man, Amen. a special Amen. man, a special woman. So you are, because that is who God says you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your head this morning. Know who God says you are, because you are chosen in Him. Look at Amen. what He says as we as we close. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, you didn't initiate this program. God initiated it. Amen. You didn't call yourself precious. God calls you precious. And we close here. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made you and I acceptable in his beloved son. Hallelujah. You Amen. Amen. You are not one, you are not a rejected person, you are not a rejected man. God Amen. has accepted you. You are accepted. Hallelujah. As long as Amen. you can put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are accepted Amen. to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is where we are going to stop this morning. I just want you if you understand what God is saying this morning. Just bow down your heads wherever you are as we pray together. Can you see the special program of God for mankind? People thought, oh, this God, we can know. It's because they have not come to understand his program. This morning, because you can understand what God is saying, because the word of God has come to you in a, in a special way, you now know that in Christ Jesus, you are not just anybody. You, are, you belong to a chosen generation. A people for whom God has a plan, a strategic plan for that matter. Let's begin to thank God for the redemption we have in Christ Jesus. Let's thank him for his death on the cross of Calvary. Let's thank him for his blood that was shed for your sin, for my sin, to buy us out of slavery to sin, to addiction, to many different things that we could have found ourselves in. Let's thank him for setting his love upon us, for making us his own delight. Thank him for the special love of God over you. The special love of God over you. If you are hearing me this morning, you haven't made a commitment to be in Christ Jesus, to accept forgiveness that comes from him. You can do it right now. All you need to do is to say, Lord Jesus, I understand the price you have paid over my life to make me special, to make me precious again one more time before God. To connect me with your eternal plans and purpose. Lord, this morning I surrender to you. I believe you. I believe in your death. I believe in, in the blood you shed for my, for my sins. Forgive me. Pardon me. Today, I sign up to your plan for my life, to your program for my life. 
I give myself to you. That's all we need to be part of this chosen generation. That's what we need because we are chosen in him. God already has you in mind before the foundation of the world. But I can tell you many people will, will, will pass through this world, die, and never discover this program for their life. And that will be a tragedy. You are hearing me this morning because God has a purpose for you. And for those of us who have already done it, just thank God for your life. Thank God for who he has made you. If you are suffering from low self-esteem, you are feeling down because of what people have told you about yourself, that you want nothing, you mean nothing, you have suffered rejection from people you thought would love you, just tell yourself today, God lost me. God lost me. I am accepted by God. I am precious to God. I mean much to God. People have killed themselves because they just feel nobody loves them. But you can't do that because God loves you so much and God has a plan for you. you there is hope for you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to say thank you this morning. Thank you for showing us your eternal plans and purpose. Thank you for including all of us from various backgrounds, various places. Father, thank you for including all of us in your eternal plans and purpose in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for making us special. Thank you for unpicking us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for the plans that you have in mind for us, great plans, amazing plans. Father, we are praying from this day that our faith will be renewed in you. Lord, we will, we will cooperate with you. Amen. And your plans and purpose will be fulfilled in our lives Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Is there anyone just making a dedication to Christ this morning, giving their lives to, to him? Lord, we are praying that you will give them that sense of assurance of your salvation and let them know that you have accepted them, regardless of where they are coming from. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We commit the rest of this week to you. Father, we ask for your protection over every family, over every life in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that everyone will continue to enjoy your love in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. God, we bless you. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Grace together in fellowship and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you and have a great week. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.